0: Hey friends, today I want to tell you about Melissa Arlena. She's one of our TMA favorite go-to SEO educators for photographers. With over 15 years of experience in both photography and SEO, she's crafted services that truly understand and meet your needs. Her aim is to make SEO simple for maternity, newborn and family photographers. And if you're like me, I need simple when it comes to SEO. Her favorite way to help photographers tackle their website SEO is her signature group coaching program, Picture Perfect Rankings. Over a four month time frame, you'll learn how to do keyword research, homepage and portfolio optimization, and blogging for 2024 that clients actually wanna read and drive crazy traffic to your website. Plus you'll have her to ask questions of and get her eyes on your work just to make sure it's perfect. For our listeners, there's a little perk, 20% off of shop products and courses. So, head to melissaarlena.com forward slash picture dash perfect dash rankings and let's
1: get your work the attention it deserves. People are not going to like this, (laughs) (laughs) but a website image overhaul. You would be shocked at how many times, again, somebody posts in a group or DMs me and they're like, I'm not getting any inquiries. What do I do? And I go to their website and they haven't updated their portfolio or any images on their homepage in three years. Inevitably they'll say, don't look at my website, but my Instagram is up to date and that's great. We'll get into Instagram later and I want your Instagram to be up to date. So that's perfect. But like, if you are listening to this and you open up your website right now, you land on your homepage and you think, yes, this is the best website and images and brand and everything that I could find in my area. I would totally hire me then great. But if you open your website and you're like, this needs some updating or oops, I haven't looked at my portfolio in a year. Those are all things that you can do today, especially if you're in a slower season, you can make sure that those things are like up to date and showing exactly what you want to be showing.
0: Hey friends. So as we're recording this, it's February, and I have a question. How's business? I think it's slow season for most all of us portrait photographers right now, and I'm hoping that today's episode will be perfect timing. Today I'm chatting with my business partner, Jenny Krueger, and she has 10 things that you can do right now to market your business. So I'm excited to present to you episode number 73 of the Motherhood Anthology Podcast. Excited to chat with you today about all things marketing your business. I feel like this is what you do best, Jenny.
1: Oh gosh, I don't know. But I feel like so many people have so many questions about this and feel like they could always be doing it better or getting more out of it. And so hopefully this helps with that. Do you think that
0: it's the secret sauce, meaning we all talk about starving artists, how you have people that are incredible artists? and aren't able to make a living. And then you have people that are pretty good photographers that are making great li- making a great living. Is it all about how they, you think, market their business?
1: I truly do think so. And it's both good to know and frustrating at the same time, right? Because you could be such an incredible artist. And if you don't have or can learn good business skills and really for pricing or branding or marketing, But really, you could do pricing and branding so great and be perfect at that. But if you can't market or not marketing to your fullest, none of that really matters. And that's that's frustrating. Mm. But then, yeah, on the flip side, we have seen over the years so many photographers that either I wouldn't choose their style or for whatever reason, I would not hire them. But then because of their brand and their marketing, they are killing it and good for them.
0: And I think so often, especially like in the membership, the question is like, how do I stand out in a saturated market? And so I think this is gonna be very helpful for those people. How many years have you been in business? It will
1: be 14 years this summer.
0: So do you think you'd be where you are now if you had to start now?
1: Ooh, that is a good question. I do think that's funny because in every photography group, in every city, in every state, I think I've seen just now about every single photographer say that like, my area is just so saturated. Like my area is just, it's different because there's so many photographers and there's so many really cheap photographers. And when you hear that for 14 years and realize that everybody is saying that in every area, like you realize that's not really a thing. If that's true everywhere, then that's not the reason. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's just being able to market outside of that belief. And not that's not true, not that there aren't a bunch of photographers everywhere and not that there aren't a bunch of really cheap and underpriced photographers everywhere, but the good news is that everybody's dealing with that. You're not alone in that. And so hopefully learning to market better or differently can push you above that. So you're going to give us
0: 10 things you can do right now to market your business. If you just want to start with your, your 10 tips, I'm going to jump in and ask you questions and pick your brain.
1: Perfect. (laughs) I like it. All right, let's get into it. So hopefully people listening, they might have heard of some or all of these, but for me, the biggest thing is doing some or all of these and doing them consistently. None of these are gonna work if you do them once and decide that didn't work, I'm not gonna do that again. Or do it for even a month and decide that didn't work, I'm not gonna do it again. The key to marketing is doing a bunch of different things and doing them over and over again. So before I start with the first one, like I look at it, look at marketing your business as a whole is like a puzzle and you have to figure out what your puzzle looks like, what your pieces look like, and then how to fit all of the pieces together and continue to have the puzzle stay together, if that makes sense. So none of these are going to work if you don't do them, which I know sounds really dense and really simple, but You'd be shocked at how many people, various groups will say, I'm not getting any inquiries. I don't know what's wrong. My website looks great or my work is really great. And that's true. Like their work is great, but they're literally doing nothing to market or they're doing something to market and it's not on a consistent basis whatsoever. So truly it's not about like how good you are at marketing. It's about how consistent you can be and like how much you can keep going, even before you start seeing results, which is hard. Nobody wants to have to do a lot of work and see zero results from it for a while. It's
0: not the fun part, the the back end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We just want to make pretty pictures and share them on Instagram. I think truly if photographers could outsource their marketing and have it work and have it actually pay off, that Mm -hmm. would be the first thing every single person outsources. But it's so personal and it's, we'll go through this list. And I feel like you could outsource some of this, but really it's, it's just you got to just put in the work. <laughs> the first thing I think is the very most important, these aren't in any order, but I do think this one is by far the biggest for me and always has been is SEO. And we've talked a lot about SEO like in the Motherhood Anthology groups, in the membership on this podcast, but truly like basically if you could have the most beautiful work, anyone has ever seen. You could even be the most affordable photographer anybody's ever seen and have the best website. But if nobody can find your website to hire you, all of that is pointless. And so that search engine optimization is huge. Um, Clients just need to be able to find you. And that includes proper SEO on your web pages, blogging for SEO, getting backlinks on your website, submitting places to be featured. You could submit to be featured on our website. And then that gets you a link from our website to your website and that's good for SEO. Google really likes that. Um, and obviously I'm definitely not an SEO expert, but we have other episodes and then obviously content in the education membership that go deeply into that. But for me, that is a non-negotiable. I want to be at the top of Google so that when somebody's Googling for a newborn photographer, where I live, they see me and I come up and then obviously my website has to do the work for me and I have to do the work, but I can't even get to that point. If nobody's finding my website. I think
0: SEO is one of those things that is very overwhelming for some of us. So do you like, where do you, if you've not really even done any SEO work, like where would you say you would begin?
1: Yeah. I'm in this really bad situation. My SEO is great, but I'm in a really bad situation of the way that SEO works has changed so much over the years. And so the things that I have done and keep on my website are technically not the way you're supposed to do them now. But if I were to pull it all and change it, that could hurt me. And so I'm waiting until my ranking starts going down to make any changes. Mm-hmm. But I know that keyword research. So Figuring out that's just a fancy way to say what keywords are, let's take newborns, for example, what keywords are pregnant moms about to have a newborn and wanting photography? What are they searching for in Google? It's probably not what a lot of people are thinking it is. It's so basic. They're searching newborn photography in Denver, Colorado. You have to think about like when you go to Google and you search for a service, in your area, what are you typing in there? And that's basically what you need to optimize your website for. So each different page of your website will be like, have a different keyword that you're focusing on. And then once you've got those pages set up, you can then blog for the other things that they might be searching for. Let's say you do maternity sessions. You could blog something like top five things to plan for your maternity session and see what would be Helpful to your ideal client that they could be searching around for, or top five maternity dresses for your maternity photos, because your ideal client is Googling those things and you want them to land on your website, things like that.
0: I feel like SEO is one of those things that you could outsource. It's not, like you <laughs> said, personal to you. This is one of those things that if it yeah. taxes your brain like it does mine, then that's <laughs> one of the, you could probably take that one off your plate because there are people that that can help you with that pretty easily.
1: Yeah. And we can probably put her link in the show notes, but we work a lot with Melissa Arlena and she is like our SEO expert in the membership and is so great at what she does. And she's so, if you don't want to do anything, here's the thing with all of these marketing things, you either need to learn how to do them correctly and do them, or you need to hire somebody who knows how to do it correctly and make sure that they do them. So if you don't want to learn this, which it's a lot, it's, It's not complicated, but it is complicated. So if that's not your thing, you can totally hire experts to do that. There are obviously a lot of scams out there too. So just make sure that you're picking somebody reputable.
0: Okay. Number two.
1: Okay. So number two, people are not going to like this, (laughs) (laughs) but a website image overhaul. So. You would be shocked at how many times, again, somebody posts in a group or DMs me and they're like, I'm not getting any inquiries. What do I do? And I go to their website and they haven't updated their portfolio or any images on their homepage in three years. And inevitably they'll say, don't look at my website, but my Instagram is up to date. And that's great. We'll get into Instagram (laughs) later. And I want your Instagram to be up to date. So that's perfect. But if I click on your website and it is just... Super old school, not updated, not modernized, and it's got images that either don't reflect what you want to shoot or the level of work that you're producing today in terms of quality or the style that you're trying to book clients for. If you like if you are listening to this and you open up your website right now, you land on your homepage and you think, yes, this is the best website and images and brand and everything that I could find in my area, I would totally hire me, then great. But if you open your website and you're like, this needs some updating or oops, I haven't looked at my portfolio in a year. Those are all things that you can do today, especially if you're in a slower season, you can make sure that those things are like up to date and showing exactly what you want to be showing.
0: Do you have a system for that? Or are you keeping favorites in a (laughs) folder as you edit or? This is more of a
1: do as I say and not as (laughs) I do situation. No, I do think I'm better than most about this, but it is, I don't have a certain, it's February 1st, March 1st, update this, but I do tend to gloss over it every so often, or I'll get a new favorite image and be like, oh, I want this on there and make sure that it's on there. I think Truly, if you are in a place where you do feel like your website images are pretty consistent and where you want them, just making sure you check it every few months or every six months is probably okay. But if you open your website and you're like, ooh, I don't want a potential client. Let's say your ideal client lands on your website. If you cringe a little bit and you're like, ooh, that's not what I want them to see, then it's time to make a change
0: quickly. You're speaking to me, but we'll pass on by. <laughs> you're it's not, smart. but you're reaching me.
1: <laughs> and listen, and here's the thing. I think we could all probably, as I go down this list, do these things a little better. But if you're also booking and booking clients at the price point that you want to be at, you're not going to hit all 10 of these things every single week or every single month. And you don't have to, but if you're in a position where I'm not booking enough clients or I'm not getting enough inquiries, then these are good things to look at, but not that we do them all the time.
0: Okay. Number three.
1: So still a little bit on websites. We talked about SEO and then images on your website, but this is another big one I see. And that's like your website copy, just an overhaul in general of what's on your pages Um, is the text or copy on your website, speaking to your ideal client. Is it unique? Is it conveying your brand? Do you even know what your brand is and what you're trying to say? I see a lot of websites that are pretty and minimal I love Pixie Set for galleries, so I'm not trying to call them out. But I I do feel like as soon as I land on a Pixie Set website, I know instantly that it's a Pixie Set website and they are beautifully simple. I feel like people are missing a lot of opportunity to put copy and infuse their brand into their website. And so I think making sure that Again, when a potential client lands on your website, the first images, really all the images are important, but especially the first images that they see and then the first things that they read are really going to speak to them. You want them to land on that homepage and click around a little bit and feel like you're talking directly to them and they're like, there's literally no way that I can't not hire this person.
0: I know from previous episodes and just talking with copywriters here that so often we want to write copy that tells them about us and what we can do for them Mm -hmm. and all about us and what kind of coffee we like. And the experts seem to agree that we need to, even the, the whole story brand thing, we need to make our website about them and not about us. Do you agree?
1: A thousand percent. And it's hard to do because you want, on one hand, who you are and what makes you, you is what makes you unique and stand out. And so it's, you want to be able to share that with them, but especially like a new potential client, like they don't care. They, they just don't like, they want to know what about your work and your services and your experience is going to make their experience with photos better. What about what you do is going to solve the problems or not even problems but worries about this experience. Maybe they have they're having another baby and they're looking for a newborn session and they have a crazy toddler. They want to know that you're the person that is not going to bother or you have all the tricks up your sleeve to deal with that. Or despite all of that, you can still get them magical images. Whatever it is, you want to convey that to them. Here's everybody can take great pictures everybody can put them on a website, but that's not enough anymore. You really have to speak to them so that they know that you're the right fit for them. And that's hard. So far, none of this is super easy. Mm -hmm. So it is nice if you're in a spot of not getting enough inquiries or not getting enough book sessions, you can really dive in and work on these things. And the return on them is going to be worth it, but it's a lot to do, but it's worth it. And I think it's necessary.
0: It's fun to watch people that do this very, really well. We're about to move on to Instagram, but people that do this really well, really stand out to me. I can think of people that mm-hmm. Kristen Sweeting comes to mind. She can just in her Instagram stories through her copy, speak like to all your problems or desires or wishes or dreams. Wow. And listen. man, you're good at that.
1: Because so many people, what's really crazy in our industry is there's just absolutely no... Regulation. You could have somebody who takes really great photos, but is so cheap, and just there's every combination of everything. And so you really can't compete on any of that. And I know that my clients, for example, could get decent photos anywhere. They don't need me just to take a picture of everybody smiling at the camera, but the experience that they have. And I, for example, I really pride myself on giving galleries where mom likes the way she looks in every single picture and she genuinely loves at least 90 to 95 percent of the gallery not just oh I picked out 10 that were like really good and the rest just skirted by as being passable but because they can get that anywhere
0: Mm -hmm. I think about myself and just being an older mom and having been there, and I think as I look at, I'm going to sound old when I say this, but the younger <laughs> generation, mainly from wedding photography, I watched this whole shift happen where I would be at a wedding reception and the pretty girls would say, no, would you do it with my phone? <laughs> and I would be like, oh, slap in the face. But it everything's shifted to, I just want to share. This is all yeah. about sharing. I just want to show people on social media. And so coming back to your children and portraits of your family, and like, I can speak to the fact that, yeah, these are sweet now, but I can't tell you how precious they're going to be as time goes on. You're, cause everybody, mad at the school pictures you get every year and you don't realize how much your child's grown until you look back right. at last year's school pictures. Like that whole time just flies by. And so whatever that is for you, I think whatever, however you can speak to that is very helpful. Yeah. And and your website and your branding and all that.
1: Yeah. And the most you can do to make your brand unique. And like you said, whatever speaks to you about that, like whatever, I would guess that like a lot of us are moms that are listening and we got into photography for a specific reason, or even we got into it and then realized a different reason. There are reasons why. We feel it's so important to do the things that we do and photograph the things that we do and even photograph them in the way that we do them. Mm -hmm. And so that is all part of your brand. And if you can dig deep into the why behind all of that and like what you're really trying to like give clients, putting that into the copy and into everything on your website is going to make a huge difference.
0: All of our favorite, number four.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Instagram. I think people have a love-hate relationship with Instagram. I go through phases where I'm like, if I could just never be on social media again, I can't even imagine the time that I would have in my day or to do other things that I like. I don't know. I'm going to say not on my list is Facebook, but obviously Instagram and Facebook are very similar. And you could apply a lot of this to Facebook if you feel like you get more traction from Facebook. I have never found that to be the case. I feel like most of my clients just are not typically hanging out on Facebook or in Facebook group and never have been. And I'm going to speak just to Instagram, but you could totally apply this to Facebook too if you feel like that works really well for you. My big things for Instagram. And again, this is stuff that seems really basic, but a lot of people are just not doing consistently, but then wonder why they're not growing their Instagram or getting the inquiries. And again, we're not saying that you have to do everything every day of these things, but if you're struggling to get eyes on your business, then go through this list and make sure that you start trying them. Okay. So the biggest thing back to branding a little bit is just in general, be sure that any of your social media really is curated to show only what you want to attract. And so, and we say this all the time, but basically Only show what you want to shoot. Clients can only ask you for what you're showing them. So I'm not going to go to like a, I don't know, a wedding photographer that I could scroll back for years and only find weddings and be like, could you shoot my birth for me? That is probably pretty rare that they get asked that. So make sure that everything you're showing is supporting the brand and the work that you want to get inquiries for. And that's true of genre, but also what it looks like. So I see this a lot, but a lot of people will ask, like, how do you get your clients to wear the clothes that you want them to wear? And really, it's not necessarily for me about the clothes, but I know that I want certain like tones and colors and things in my photos because the colors that are in your pictures change the look of your pictures. And how dark or light they are, change the look of your pictures. If you have a super duper dark background, that's just going to look different. And so you might want that. You might not want that. For me, clothing is one way to do that. And I think it's hard to get clients to wear, whether it's your wardrobe or their own, it's hard to get them to wear the clothing you want to wear if you're showing, I don't know, dark blue jeans and like red sweaters, let's say for all of your fall family pictures or dark blue jeans and plaid, which sure, like super cute for fall family photos. But again, if that's not what you want your client to wear, stop showing it on your Instagram. And so I think that makes a big difference. The minute I land on someone's Instagram, I want to scroll for a second and know exactly what I'm going to get when I hire you. you, Are you one that shares...
0: An image from everything you shoot or no? So,
1: yeah, now pretty much I can. There have been times, I'm also so old that Instagram literally didn't exist when I started my business. But I'm sure there were times at the beginning of my business, I know there were times where I was like, ooh, probably don't want clients to dress in this again or whatever it was. or probably don't want to shoot in this location again. And so if you're still getting a lot of that, you don't have to show everything that you shoot. Remember, your Instagram is marketing. Your Instagram is to market to get more of the clients that you want. It is not to share your current clients necessarily. Obviously, you have to have images to market with, but you don't owe them that, basically. And if you, I always tell people, if you would not want to shoot that all day, every day, stop showing it. And that is the biggest thing, the quickest thing you can do to overhaul your brand image. And what you do is to make sure that your Instagram grid and everything that you're sharing lines up with what you want to attract.
0: I know a lot of people get caught in that loop of their clients expecting a sneak peek from, and so you feel like you've got to do one for everybody. And sometimes you just don't need to share that session. (laughs)
1: yeah I think if you're in that position either Mm -hmm. stop guaranteeing sneak peeks or try to pick out the one or two that you could share maybe it's a close-up maybe you don't love the clothing but you really love the moment and you want to share that client if you offer black and white you could always if again if it's like a clothing like red sweater blue jean issue you could always do black and white for certain things like that and I don't think, yeah, this isn't on here, but to this, you could always do model calls to get the images that you want to use to attract people to and make sure you share lots of those. Next on Instagram, basically my first thing was make sure that your Instagram and your images on there are a good representation of your brand. And then in terms of posting, I think that posting to your grid three to five times per week. And again, being consistent about it. It's not gonna do you any good to, this is a Tuesday when you're listening to this, tomorrow on Wednesday, be like, I'm gonna post Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week. And then next week, I'm gonna post Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then you're like so overwhelmed and you're like, that was so much work that then you don't post again for two weeks. Or I've seen way worse than that, two months or like, many more months than that. It's not going to do you any good. Pick something that you can be consistent with. If that's only two or three times per week, great. Do that, but do that for six months straight and see what happens. And in those grid posts, so that's like on your feed, it can be helpful to have a few different like content pillars. So maybe you post, so for me, as an example, this would be like, I'm posting sneak peeks, I'm posting like top 10 from client sessions. I'm posting pictures of products. So like album pictures, wall art, things like that. I'm posting I'll do what's the right word for this infographics or carousel posts with different copy and text on each slide. That's something relevant to my client and just mixing those up. So. Definitely the heaviest for me is going to be client pictures because if you're listening to this, you're probably a photographer. And so obviously that's the bulk of what we're going to show on Instagram, but mix it up to take pictures of your products or get templates or just think of a few other things that you can sprinkle in there. It's not just like client image after client image and things like that. And again, I know I sound like I'm beating a dead horse, but you have to be consistent about it. None of it's going to work if you go hard at it and then disappear. Instagram does not like that. (laughs) Kim, do you find that's hard for you? Yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you're alone. I think it's so hard. It's honestly one of the reasons that I haven't stopped sneak peeks altogether. I've thought about it, but then I'm like, gosh, that keeps me honest. I can't. It's really rare that I have a week without a session, Mm -hmm. not to mention multiple sessions a week. And so having to keep up with sneak peeks, if nothing else, that keeps my Instagram consistent and current because I I could easily see slipping away for a week or two and then looking down and realizing, oh, yeah, nothing's been posted on my grid for quite some time.
0: Yeah, I think... I don't know. I don't want to generalize, but like we're artists. We're a little bit, I just think humans are one week we're we're excited and motivated. And the next week, maybe we need to pull away from social media. I get, I don't hate Instagram, but Facebook, but sometimes it just makes you feel yuck. You just need to disconnect. So are you doing any kind of scheduling or you have a, do you use an app or?
1: So I don't tend to schedule a lot. Mostly because I'm inconsistent with that. Mm-hmm. I sometimes will, and usually it's for the week. But you could totally schedule two to three weeks of posts and just knock it out. Block schedule a time in your schedule yeah. to spend a couple hours on that, and then you don't have okay. to think about it for another few weeks. I will typically because I'm doing sneak peeks, like I have to decide. Like, yeah, that's going to be every couple days, or like this week I have four sessions, and so I'm like thinking in my head, okay. The sneak peek today will be posted on this day. Figuring all that out. But I use plan, P-L-A-N-N. And we can probably put a link in the show notes too. But I love it. You can post everything from your desktop. You can do phone or desktop, but it's so easy. And you can put your hashtags in there. We'll get into that. But yeah, I love that. Even just for if I'm doing something in the morning, but I'm scheduling it to post in the afternoon that same day. I'll totally do that a lot.
0: How much personal stuff are you sharing? is that mainly reserved for stories for
1: you? I think so. We'll go down to the next on our list, but basically once you've got your grid schedule posts or figured out mm-hmm. posting on stories, I think you should be in there at least 5 to 6 days per week and then multiple times a day so that you're always staying at the top of that bubble. But stories can be definitely more personal. I still think you should be gosh, it's such a fine line between like how much you share personally and how much you don't. But I think you want to share enough personally behind the scenes that like potential clients feel like they can know you a little bit and trust you and realize that if nothing else, that you're a legit person, your business is legit. You are not like, I don't know, they just trust you a little more when they've seen you more. And then you can decide the content pillars of what you're posting on your grid. There are things that I post in my stories. And then there are things that even though they're also personal, I would never share in my stories. And so just figuring out what few things personally you can share on there. And then behind the scenes, um, I'm like really bad about this, but trying to be better. People love behind the scenes, like when you're at the studio or someone's home, if they're okay with that. Behind the scenes from sessions is huge. or Things like before and afters, just anything you can do to share like a sneak peek into your business and your brand and what you're all about. It's so
0: fun. It's so funny. We share so many pretty pictures and curate all this stuff we want to share. And this weekend, uh, my husband and I went to a Mardi Gras ball and I got all dressed up and I was feeling pretty good about the photo. And I thought, I'm going to share this on the story. (laughs) So much engagement, so many likes, like It's so funny. Like anytime I share anything personal, my kids, like stuff, you think, eh, should I really share this? I don't know. And people love it. It is really,
1: it's so true. I think part of it is they love to see a peek behind the curtain. Part of it is that. And I think part of it is too, a little bit the purple cow effect. And we have talked about this book a lot, but basically the premise is that you're driving down the road and brown and brown cows, black and white cows, tons of those your whole life. Everybody knows what that looks like. You can picture that right now. That would not be remarkable in any way to you. But if you were driving down the road and you saw a purple cow in one of the pastures, that would be remarkable and you would stand out. So it's like anything you can post that's different from what you normally Mm -hmm. post. People are like, wait, what's going on there? (laughs) And Mm -hmm. take notice. And I don't know if like Instagram is in on the purple cow theory, because I don't know, like I'll have a story that I post that is nothing related to like work or anything. And it gets 20 times the amount of views. And then literally the next story is like a normal kind of story for me. Mm -hmm. And it gets way less views. And I'm like, how are you doing this? Like Instagram, like, how are you doing this? And it's frustrating, but it's also good to know that. It's also important to know that Nobody truly knows what the Instagram algorithm is doing. So just,
0: they don't don't
1: tell us that.
0: Yeah. And we've talked about this before. Like we, we can share the most amazing photographs. It's still someone else's kid. And so if you're scrolling along and you see a pretty picture of someone else's kid, you may like it. But if that's all we're sharing and people are used to, like you said, that's what they see from us or pretty pictures of other people's kids, it's not really anything you're going to stop and make a thoughtful remark on usually. And so I think when you share personal things and they genuinely can be like, oh, I love her. Look how pretty she looked. Or her dogs are so cool. Like I have a golden retriever too. Like it's something they can connect with that Mm -hmm. they really don't have a connection to someone else's kid, I think.
1: Yes. And that's a really good point. And I think can bring us to our next point under Instagram is... Authentic and engaging captions under those pretty images of other people's kids, they don't have to be, and in fact, they shouldn't be related to the image. So you want to post captions that could be more personal or more personal to your business and really make people think or engage, give them a reason to like and comment, not just say, oh, this kid was so cute and smiled a lot. There's no reason for me to respond to that as a viewer and so thinking about those captions and things like that is huge and then also to that relevant hashtags too so many people I think at one point something came out that hashtags don't work anymore or aren't important and that may or may not be true but I don't think they're hurting and I have people find me through hashtags and I look up hashtags on Instagram to find stuff I'm not giving them up anytime soon. <laughs> and I want them to be relevant. I want them to be, again, like Google. What am I as the potential client putting into Instagram and searching for that is going to land me on your images? Yes, while well, using, for example, our hashtag, the motherhood anthology is going to get you potentially reshared on our account. That's not what the people who are hiring you and going to pay you, that's not what they're looking for. And so- Denver newborn photographer is going to be a hashtag that you want to use versus that one or use them both but don't basically don't give up those local hashtags
0: I want to circle back to the authentic captions This is something that I love when I see other people do it There are people that again I can think of that do a great job of this but I mm-hmm. seem to struggle even though I like to write so tell me just give us an example of how the caption might not, be about the photograph what would be a good example of that
1: okay so let's say kim let's use what we were talking about earlier let's say you want to post a picture of a mom and baby from a newborn session and instead of posting any of your thoughts about that particular mom and baby you want to think of it as a new potential client is seeing this image and they want to see themselves in that image and in that caption. They want to feel like, oh, I'm you are speaking right to them. And they, again, can't not inquire and hire you. For you, for example, you could talk about how for when your clients are seeing their images for the first time, and they're going through a slideshow that you show them and the music that you play and how everybody tends to cry and what that means to you and relate it to a story about maybe a totally other client or something like that. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things as a potential client, if I land on that and I'm reading that, I can say, oh, I want that for my family. Or as a photographer if you want me to see that, I can say, oh, I do the same thing. I play this song. Or you can ask, what song do you play to make your clients cry or just things like that? Uh, Maybe nicer than that. But then everybody's wanting to respond and engage and have a conversation about that. But when you just say, oh, this mom and baby is beautiful, um, that doesn't really leave the door open for anybody to want to have a conversation about that.
0: I think that's good advice.
1: It's hard though, it's so hard. <laughs> it plan has, oh what are they called? Let me look it up really quick. but they're basically caption starters mm-hmm. um, caption generators and then they have AI in there now too where you can like have it completely write it for you. But then they also have caption generator. So you can use AI or you can just use some of their like templates that they change with like, different kinds of sections every month. So there's you can search for behind the scenes, community educate, Inspire, run a sale, and then you'll see a list of 20 captions that you can customize to your business based on those topics. And so that could be super duper helpful. Even just to and not that you should throw something into Chat GPT and copy and paste, but even just to get your wheels turning. For you, you said you love to write. I like to write too, but I always am just staring at a cursor blinking and I'm like, where do I even start? But once I get started, I can totally mm-hmm. type all day.
0: Have you played with any of the, I don't even know what the name of it is, comment, the words in the comments, comment, Mm -hmm. newborn session, and I'll DM you a guide, That's that sort of thing that's really hot right now. Have you tried any of that for your business?
1: I have not yet, but I've only heard really good things about it. It's really funny. I. It's funny that we're doing this episode because you know this, but I feel like I'm very sensitive to marketing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I don't. I'm like a sucker for really good branding and marketing, but I don't like to be sold to. I can see through a lot of marketing. And so Mm. for me, I see those and I'm like, oh, I really want that link, but I refuse to comment (laughs) link on this post.
0: Um, and and I'm commenting on everything because I want to see what everybody, I want all the information. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I think most people are more like you. And so I have heard really good things about that. I know in TMA, we're playing around with that, but I haven't played around with it on my... But honestly, I think, of course, it
0: could be really like sell, but it's very convenient, especially if there's something (laughs) that you want as a consumer of the information for me. Yes, I want that list. If all I have to do is comment a word and you're going to put it in my inbox and then I can come back to it when I want to consume it, it's so convenient and a lot of times like when I'm it takes you to a form and you got to fill out the form and then they email it to you and then it gets lost in your inbox and Mm -hmm. so I love it and I I can really see how it it could be a great tool for our clients as well. Yeah
1: I could totally see that and too that's another point here is authentically engaging with other accounts that have your same clients that could probably fall into that if you're commenting And you don't have to just, whatever the word is, let's say it's link. You can comment link, but then you can also leave like a genuine, authentic comment too with it or in a separate comment, especially if it's like on a business or even just a mom's account that's public. Say this mom has 10,000 followers and there's a lot of local people and she's just really well connected in the community. Think very super micro influencer, not like big influencer, but engaging with accounts like that for whatever reason is good for instagram to see you doing that and just getting eyes on your account
0: too i don't know who said it the other day i heard someone say like all of us photographers we're following other photographers and commenting on other photographers what are we doing we really need to be following <laughs> the people in our community and yeah. commenting on their accounts and businesses in our community Like we really need to get out of our circle of other photographers and connect with our clients.
1: Yeah, that's a big one. I I'm going to say this or you're going to say this and then I'm about to see like all of my comments drop off, but like, I do get <laughs> comments from other <laughs> photographers and it's I do really appreciate it, but then I'm also like, "No, what are you doing? Go comment. Put your time and energy into commenting on those mom accounts or other local businesses, the bakery that I use for a lot of my cake smashes and I'm friends with the owner like I love commenting on her stuff and maybe that's not doing much, but that's me supporting other local businesses in my community. And I know that my clients are also supporting and watching those businesses. So having those authentic, real relationships, I think is important. And again, it's one of those things that definitely takes time and consistency. You can't just, like, don't go spam a bunch of businesses or even local photography businesses to you. Pick other businesses. And um, too,
0: I think how like when you go, when you like something, you can see other people that you're friends with mm-hmm. that liked it as well. I have yep. this friend and she's got the best taste. Not that I have great taste, but we end up liking, even outside of our local circles, if I get, like, I love interior design so much and I'll like like a post from this famous designer and I'll see her. She liked it too. Like everywhere we go, like we're liking the same Images. And so I think that works in like our client circles as well. Like people like, if you like the same designer, the same cake bakery, the same, like you realize that you have a lot in common. And so when you're out there supporting the people that you love and they love them too, they put you in that group. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So one thing we didn't touch on for Instagram is reels. I do feel like reels get you views and potential new followers. I'm not 100% convinced that those new followers are your ideal clients. It just has never been the case for me. I do find that my ideal clients or my already clients tend to like them and comment on them, and that's great. I don't think they're hurting you, but for me, that's not. I'm not trying to do five reels a week and have my grid be real. I don't think that the local photography, client community is that's like your best, it's not your best investment in your Instagram time, mm-hmm. but sure. throw a few in there every so often.
0: I, um, I'm going to say this and again, make myself sound old, but <laughs> I did not, was not an early adopter of the reel. Let's just say, that. <laughs> <laughs> and recently in our wedding account, I'm like, I'm going to learn to make reels And now I love them for wedding photography, but I think be the same for portrait motherhood photography because again, back to the slideshows to music, it's an opportunity to connect your images to music. And I think music is so moving and so emotional and also really can work with your brand. I think music is either on brand or it's not. And I just love that about reels, even if it's just where they may have just scrolled on past images when it's set to the right song, it it says something about your brand, I think.
1: Yeah, I do think it can be, it's just a powerful, like another tool in the tool belt thing for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I was just very proud of myself that I conquered the reel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they're hard and I feel like they take time. I'll have an idea for a reel. And even if it's like the simplest thing, it's just lining everything up mm. and lining up your text to where you want it to be. I just feel like it all just, it's not hard, but it's just more tedious than you expect going into it. And then you're like 30 minutes later and you're like halfway done with it. And I'm like, oh. <sighs> What am am I doing? (laughs) But yeah, they are fun. And listen, I'll scroll reels on my phone happily. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that like I've hired a photographer based on that or finding that for them or I don't know. I think they really work well for a lot of types of brands and types of companies. I'm not convinced they're like perfect for the portrait photography um okay well let's move off Instagram and roll through some of the next ones yeah okay okay so number five I feel like if you really like the Instagram ideas you're really gonna dislike this and if you really liked or if you really dislike Instagram you might really like this number five is networking in person so that means for me like shopping where your ideal clients shop, getting to know those business owners, creating those relationships there. Even in my early, like early in my business, we used to have photography groups that we would meet up like every month. And we were all like in the same, there were people that were a little bit ahead of me, but we were all in the same stage of our business. And as we each grew, we learned that like, oh, there are a couple of wedding photographers that I would totally recommend if anybody asked me for a wedding photographer in Nashville. And then I became the newborn and maternity and baby photographer that some of those wedding photographers or even other photographers that don't do those things would recommend and say, oh yeah, she might not be the cheapest, but if you want the best of the best. And I'm not saying that's the case either, but it just became known that everybody we just knew each other and we would recommend each other. And so those people would recommend me. And that's still, I think, so important is just building those relationships with potentially other photographers, potentially other business owners, where again you have those same clients and authentically building that
0: there this came up in our business the other day again back tying it back to the wedding world but we had we have a photographer that really wants to connect with some high-end wedding planners and she's i don't know how to connect do i just call do i stop by their their shop and i'm afraid that they probably get so many people saying hey i'd love to i'd like to introduce myself i'd love to work with you and that's probably the case and the thought that came to me was let's not Don't take for granted, back to what you just said, don't take for granted the new planner, the new shop that's starting out, the new floral designer, whoever it is that you you may think it's the older established business owner that you want to connect with. But there's something to be said for coming up with someone like you're Mm -hmm. new, they're new and helping each other grow your business because you're going to build a bond there. They're going to be hopefully very popular and established in a few years. And if y'all build that bond together, helping each other, then that's going to go a long way.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's just easier too. There's a lot of, number one, those more established wedding photographer, or uh, planners probably already have been working with photographers right. and have an authentic relationship. They don't want to slight them either, even if they would be willing to lie with you and work with you. And that's a good thing. You want to find somebody that would do the same for you. And then just like somebody who's in like the same stage, you can really, like you said, come up together and Mm -hmm. build together. And that works out really well. Mm -hmm. And number six. Okay. So if you are not getting inquiries, not booking sessions and need something to try today, offer your best Past clients a gift certificate to maybe waive your session fee, commission fee, creative fee, whatever your upfront fee is to book if you're not all inclusive, and then give them one to give to a friend so they get a complimentary session, the friend gets a complimentary session. Don't do this if you're all inclusive. I'm not saying give away free sessions, but give away free session fees, and then they would still have to purchase their digital images and or artwork. However, you have it set up after those sessions. And obviously make that very clear. You don't want to be like sneaky about any of it, but sometimes just that little push, sending that email or a little note in the mail or something that just said, I really loved working with you. So-and-so is probably turning six months soon. Let's get a session on the calendar. I'd love to offer you this and one for a friend, things like that. Should you give them
0: a, a deadline to use that gift certificate? Ooh,
1: yes, probably,
0: Do you think some urgency, like that they need to use it by a certain date?
1: Yeah, that's a good idea. I think right now it's the middle of February when we're recording this. And so maybe if you're in the middle of February and you're like, I really need to book sessions for March, maybe say a session has to be on the calendar before the end of March or something like that. Give them, I I don't think I would give them like a week, Mm -hmm. but give them definitely a deadline within a month or so. Good idea. Another one would be number seven, to email all of your past clients. So this is really good um, if you have an email list, which you should um, email those past clients with any kind of scheduling updates, news. Um, You could, one year I did this and we, I think we taught this in membership to offer an incentive to book for certain months. And so again, for right now, say you're slower in February, March and April, you could say like all sessions booked in february get this complimentary with their session and all sessions booked in march get this thing complimentary with your session and so on and it could be it could be something simple like an extra 5 digital images in every package or a matted print for all the sessions this month or even go big and do like um i'm like I love the indie matted albums, and you can do like just a six image little indie matted album. And gosh, I I can't think off the top of my head, but it's a lot cheaper than a full on album. And so it would be worth it if you booked a couple of clients and included that, but you got bookings for that month that you otherwise didn't have any. So just think about little incentives that you could offer them to do that. And then in keeping with the that theme, make sure that you have an opt-in on your website for clients or potential clients to sign up for those emails, so you could so that they get those scheduling updates or even model calls. I this is not the way that I do my model calls, but I know a lot of people do model calls in which basically what I said before, we're waiving the session fee is they get the session for free, but then they can still purchase anything. So you could do something like the session is free and you get five images, but then you can upgrade. And I would only do this if you also need content and need stuff for your portfolio, because there's a really good chance that those models will just take their five images and be good with that. So don't necessarily just do that thinking you're going to, those are booking a bunch of clients, but you can play around with that. Um, But just make sure that you've got that email list and you're using it. Um, A lot of people are not sending like monthly emails to their email list. And I swear every time I send an email, even if I've now had to be really careful with when I send an email because I'll send one out and I'm not even trying to book sessions and repeat clients will be emailing back and be like, I have to book this session or we need to book our next session. And I'm like, oh gosh, I was not prepared for this today. (laughs) So... (laughs) It definitely works. (laughs) Just use it carefully. (laughs) Okay. So that was number seven, emailing past clients. Get your email list going. Number eight is to promote an event at your studio. In the spring, we talk a lot about a motherhood event. Um, In the fall, that could be Santa. And again, just promoting those things and sending out those emails. I could send out an email for totally something unrelated and I get those emails back out. Oh, I need to book our one-year session or, oh, I'm so glad you reminded me. I've been meaning to book this. And it's, it always surprises me, um, but it happens. And so just promoting those events or even just doing one of those events to try to get some cash inflow now um, to book a mini session event, that can be really helpful. Are you doing a motherhood event? i was <laughs> so afraid you're going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I, for like the past 10 days, I have gone back and forth. And if you asked me yesterday, I might have said yes. And if you asked me tomorrow, I might say yes. But as of today, no. I, I don't know if it's like the older I get or the more I just enjoy the one on one time with my clients. My brain has such a hard time starting over again with a client at this in the same day. And maybe this is a, thing I need to get checked out. But back to back mini sessions and having to begin the process and be on again, back to back with clients, new clients, multiple times a day is my nightmare. And so I just don't love it. And I'm in this weird position of feeling like my brand is all about motherhood and my is for moms to feel good in their images and be in the images because I didn't have that with my mom even though we were and still are really close so it's the pillars behind my brand but it's but I also do that year round and so it's it's like saying to it's like the thing of a family photographer if you do family sessions year round doing mini sessions in the fall at the most popular time of the year to do family sessions seems like a little bit like cutting off your nose to by your face kind of situation but at the same time i'm like i should do these because that is my brand so i go back and forth for lots of reasons but i don't think so okay also april's super busy and that's when i would do it but we've got our retreat in april i'm going out of town in april for a personal vacation so i'm looking at my calendar and i'm like i don't think i even have time to do this We'll do
0: another episode about why you feel the need to justify that you're so busy in your business that you can say no. That's a
1: good thing. (laughs) That is a good thing. I'm really lucky to be in a position of saying, I know that, and that's the thing is I feel guilty because I know my clients would like it. But those same clients are also booking full sessions year round that I'm like, I don't think I want to. And I just can't give them the same experience. I think what it really comes down to is I, there's no way I can give them the same experience in the exact same gallery as they get, nor should they in full sessions year round in that kind of small mini session type of thing. and I don't like that anymore. I want them to have, I want them to have the full thing and the best of the best. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the bulk of it
0: that's the great thing is if you need to build your business and you need to do motherhood, you, an event or Santa, you can. And if you put in the work and you paid your dues and you're where Jenny is (laughs) and you don't have to do those anymore and you don't want to, you don't have to. So that's
1: And listen, they're great. I, if anyone asked me, should I do this? I would be like, yes, try it, do it. Yeah. For many years. I enjoyed it. They were super successful. I think they're great. It's, a, it's just another thing on the list that you could try for sure.
0: That's right. <laughs> okay. Number right.
1: nine. Number nine. We're almost done, you guys. This is going to be the longest episode. <laughs> Number nine is work with a micro-influencer. Years and years ago, when influencing was like just becoming really popular, I would have said work with an influencer. Now I'm going to say go back to somebody a little bit smaller with maybe, let's just say, 5 to 20K followers. And that's not a hard and fast number, just somewhere around there, because they're likely to have a lot more local followers. It's great if a 1 million follower influencer wants to work with you, but the majority of their followers are not going to be local to you, and they're not going to necessarily be your ideal clients. I think a lot of people follow influencers to see what the new trends are, which a lot of trendy how do I want to say this? A lot of trendy clothes are fast fashion and cheaper and they're looking for coupon codes and codes for this, save money on this. I just has never, I don't necessarily think that they're always the ideal clients. That said, I have close to those numbers, like those 500,000, 1 million influencer clients that are my clients that have sent me ideal clients. And so it's not impossible. I just think if you're going to work with somebody and my influencer clients are like pay my prices, any other client, but if you're wanting to work with an influencer in like a trade situation, I don't know that I would work with somebody like that to build something locally for yourself. So working with somebody, don't underestimate the mom that's really connected in your community that has 5,000 followers because two to three thousand of those could totally be your local ideal client you would be shocked and so look for people like that and you can you could dm them and outright ask them be like hey do you want to model or trade do a trade for something or if you want to build slowly you can just again authentically like comment on their stuff which again if they're local you should be anyways but be authentic and be Don't be salesy about it, at least at the start. Think about what you can give to them before they can, before you're thinking about what they can give to you. But that can be really helpful. And then the last one, I feel like people are not gonna like this one, but it's truly the easiest one you can do. If you are not following up with the inquiries that you are getting, you should be. Any inquiries, I would say, honestly, that you've gotten in the past month that you've not followed up with, do that literally as soon as you turn this off. Go into your CRM if you use 17 Hats or HoneyBook or whatever you use. Find all of those people and follow up with them. I follow up with everybody twice. So let's say I get an inquiry on last Wednesday. I'll usually like anywhere from three to four days, follow up with them and just make sure that it didn't land in their spam. They got the email. They got the information. Did they have any questions? I let them know that dates on my calendar tend to move quickly. And so I would love to plan this for them and get this checked off their to-do list and just leave it at that. And then if I don't hear back from them at that point, I will send a final follow-up, usually about 10 days after that. And Google the magic email. Kim, have you heard of this? No. Oh, okay. I love when I get to teach Kim something about emails. (laughs) Tell me. So, the magic email, which, if you Google it, the language that they use in it is pretty abrupt. It's basically saying, Hey, I haven't heard from you. So, I'm going to assume that you weren't serious about like working together or something like that. Like, it's really (laughs) abrupt. But basically, it's saying, Hey, You contacted me, you haven't responded, like you're ghosting me. I've sent some follow ups. I'm going to assume that you've changed your mind. And you can do that in a really nice way. And so it's basically just telling them, it's putting the ball in their court to say, hey, I'm not gonna keep bugging you. And I do tell them this, hey, I don't like to bug people and chase you down to hire me. So if we are not a good fit, or I'm out of your price range, or you've just decided not to reserve a session at this time, I totally get it. I'm gonna take you off my list of current inquiries that I'm gonna check in with. That way I don't keep bugging you. Um, And I swear, even the people that, don't hire me from that email will usually write back to that email and they write some of the nicest things. It is the best way to be not hired ever.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm just thinking about how many times I think I've gotten that email.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and it so, worked. Oh yeah. I meant to write you back. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes. Because you're essentially telling them, Hey, obviously you're not serious about this. I'm not going to keep contacting you. And then they're like, they'll be like, can we swear on our podcast? Sure. Is that or do we do that? I don't know if that's okay. You can, it whatever you want to do. Yeah. I swear they get this email and they're like, oh shit. Like I don't want to lose my spot or, oh, I totally forgot to let her back because nine times out of 10, they're not ghosting you because they don't want to hire you. They're busy. They either have a baby or they have toddlers or they're working and they have babies. Like it is a lot to keep on top of emails and it is a lot even if you want to do something like I have put off emails that I have every intention of working with them or buying this or doing that. And I'm just like, I can't deal with this today. And so you'd be surprised at how many people are like, I'm sorry. Like they literally apologize. I didn't mean to not reply. Like it's just, I've been out of town or this or that or whatever, or baby came early. Like I, I want to get on your calendar and then they book. And so don't underestimate the follow-up, and don't underestimate the magic email, but definitely soften the language because it's harsh. <laughs> <just call> it. <laughs> don't copy-paste that. This is good stuff, Jenny.
0: I think we we could almost make two episodes. We'll do one through five, and they'll have to come back for,
1: for <laughs> yes, maybe.
0: I don't know.
1: I like it. They didn't realize that I was going to jumble on for all this time.
0: <laughs> no, it, but it's all good. It's all good stuff, and I think this is what you do so well. It's definitely your strength. So thank you for doing this today.
1: Yeah, of course. And like I said, a lot of these things are only going to work if you do them often and consistently. And so it's hard to not see results right away, but you're definitely going to not see results if you don't do any or all of these. Try them and try to be consistent about it.
0: Consistency is the answer for a lot of things in life, isn't it?
1: truly that's (laughs) it's really annoying that that's true
0: know why that diet doesn't work i do it once one day a week
1: (laughs) right i dieted for a whole two hours today i don't understand the issue
0: (laughs) yeah i feel that (laughs) oh man all right jenny well have a good day
1: you too bye all right
0: bye hey thank you so much jenny So the education and membership that you heard us talk about will be open and available soon. And we don't want you to miss out on that opportunity. So simply sign up for our email list at themotherhoodanthology.com. And while you're there, download our complimentary course titled How to Market to Fill Your Calendar and get yourself started on a journey to a successful business today. So y'all know I love to end these with a quote. And today it's from Stephen Covey. Most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough time on what's important. So from our lens to yours, until next time, friends.